Hello, welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Since its inception, Basecamp for Men has zeroed in on a number of themes. We've got men's work and myth to keep us connected and inspired. There's health and vitality so that we look and feel our best. We've had episodes on the tools that we need to better see ourselves with clarity and honesty. And how can we be the best husbands and fathers we can be? How do men go about growing their emotional intelligence or their spiritual intelligence? What does that look like for men? And we have looked at what is in the shadow, both in ourselves and in the world at large. Today's episode fits nicely with our catalog as it is about the intelligence of the heart. If there is a thread that runs all through base camp, besides the hero's journey, it is this. How do men live with more heart? This is a central question in all of the men's groups that I lead. How do we cut through all the excessive thinking, the cognitive noise, and the ego to live our lives more fully from the heart? Remember, men, the heart always knows the way. No matter what is going on, no matter how crazy and confusing the world looks like or feels like, the heart can be counted on as your most reliable compass of what is true. My guest today is an expert on matters of the heart, and I am excited to be in dialogue with him. Howard Martin is a key spokesperson for the HeartMath companies. Through his public speaking events, Howard illuminates the intelligence of the heart, describing how we can all access it to create positive and sustainable change. He is the co-author of the highly acclaimed book, The HeartMath Solution, and contributing author of Heart Intelligence. Most recently, Howard helped to co-create The HeartMath Experience, a new online video program introduced by HeartMath in January 2020. Here is my interview with Howard Martin. Okay, I am here with Howard Martin, author, thought leader, HeartMath Institute, co-founder, Howard Martin. Howard, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Tony, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on. hope our conversation today is useful to whoever's given us their time and attention to listen to it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you guys have been such a leader in the area of heart, heart intelligence. And as a show for men, you know, men, we've been so conditioned to value cognitive intelligence, um, you know, problem solving, being smart. Um, and, you know, we've been really conditioned maybe not to pay such attention to the intelligence of the heart. And in fact, um, most people, I think, if you would talk to them, would say, well, you know, intelligence it's really in the brain and the heart is an organ with some metaphors around love. But in your studies of intelligence, that's not what you found about the heart, is it? Not at all. And first of all, yeah, you're right. Most men kind of cringe at the, at the concept of adding more heart to their life. They see it as something sentimental or weak or squishy. Yeah. But the intelligence I'm talking about is a real intelligence, high speed, intuitive it gives us the ability to manifest our real dignity and our honor and his courage in it. it has a lot of really strong qualities within this type of intelligence. Now the link that links it to heart is simply this is that the physical heart is actually communicating with the brain and the rest of the body. Mm. It sends signals throughout the entire system and brain function, for example, is critically dependent upon information it's getting from the heart. Mm -hmm. It gets a little bit more interesting in that the quality of that communication is determined by our emotional state. When we're experiencing anger, frustration, ambition, aggression, those type of, uh, of energies, 
and emotions, uh, it sends a very distorted signal to the brain. It begins to shut down our higher perceptual centers. So we don't, we're not as smart as we think we are mm. when we're in that place. Yep. Conversely, when we do experience emotions that have been metaphorically, as you mentioned, associated with the heart, like let's say we're more loving or kinder, or having some compassion, uh, those type of emotional qualities improve the signal between the heart and the brain, and they open up the higher perceptual centers in the brain. Now we have access to the cognitive ability that men really want. Discrimination of thought, the ability to see into things from different angles of view, the ability to communicate better, all that is enhanced when we improve the quality of the signals going from heart back to the brain. Uh, I, I think I think men... Uh, mistakenly think it's one or the other. I think there's this kind of binary, like I'm either going to be smart or I'm going to live in my heart, but I can't have both is, is kind of the, what you hear a lot, you know, adding this kind of heart centered living, they're going to have to give something up is kind of what I'm, what I hear from men. The brain's a big winner when you engage the heart. Mm. And when you think about it, there's a lot of terms that come up around heart that don't imply giving up anything. It implies adding something of value. Right. Uh, for example, a sports team, you know, just saying that team plays with a lot of heart. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that guy right there has got a ton of heart. And you can say what you want to about those incomplete passes, but, you know, he plays with his heart. Yeah. And that's a, that's where heart's being used, uh, you know, as, as a show of strength, really. Absolutely. But no, nothing's being taken away. Yeah, absolutely. What, you know, you guys were the first to sort of, that I knew, that I know of, to sort of coin the phrase heart coherence and incoherence. What what are the two, what's the difference between the two? What is heart coherence? Well, with heart math, as you know, as you know everything we do is underpinned with scientific research. And we've been doing scientific research on a whole lot of different uh, subject matters for almost 30 years now. And one of the things we had to do early on was to try to quantify what was happening inside the body when we were engaged in these, these heart-based states. And what we found was is that when we have heart-brain-body communication working together really well, we do go into a state called coherence. It's a highly aware state. It's not a sleepy time state. Yeah, all the body systems are working together synchronistically. Uh, less energy is being wasted. Again, the brain is a big winner in that process. Um, it's also a state accompanied by sustained regenerative emotions. And those emotions are the ones that really kind of differentiate us. They sort of separate us from the pack in a way. Uh, when we are able to have more emotional balance, more emotional poise, and to manifest some of the qualities that really uh, engage people. And so coherence has that quality to it as well. Um, so measurements are done by looking at changes in our heart rhythms. We have devices that do that. We have the inner balance trainers, our most popular product that allows people to see changes in their heart rhythms and lets you know how coherent or incoherent they are. Hmm. And this is a, something that's become very popular and very valuable to people to train themselves to be more naturally coherent. Because again, there are high performance benefits to being able to increase your coherence and to create what we call a new coherence baseline. Is, is there, is the gateway to coherence, these higher state emotions, such as gratitude, love, compassion, kindness, is that, is that how you get into, is that, is that the ramp into heart coherence or is it done another way? It's pretty much the ramp. You nailed it right there. Yeah. You don't get to high states of coherence unless you're manifesting some of those qualities emotionally. 
you can try to think your way into it and you can try to breathe your way into it, but you don't really hit those higher states of coherence until you engage some of those type of emotional qualities. So it is the on-ramp, it is the gateway. Uh, and when you do that, again, you don't lose anything. I mean, that's regenerative. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for your health. It's, it's good for a lot of different things in your life when you manifest those type of qualities with more consistency. What what, happen, what happens if somebody, you know, this sounds like an invitation. They're like, a, this this heart coherence sounds like a, a, a great uh, step for me or, or development in, in my life. But I notice that I have habits of incoherence. I notice maybe that I'm depressed or maybe that I feel like a victim. Or I notice that I get angry all the time. I'm a man. I'm, I'm pissed off. My Everybody says I'm mad and I, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, how do you, how do you take maybe an inkling that you're not, you're not used to these higher states uh, and you're used to creating these kind of lower vibrations or lower frequency neuro pathways where you can't seem to get out of them. What would be your counsel on something like that? Well, that is a game of life, isn't it, Tony? Yeah, it is, for (laughs) sure. That's what we're all trying to do all the time. And yeah, we all have those tendencies. I'm not an angel, believe me. And uh, we all go through that. But what heart math is, the system of heart math is techniques, concepts, and technology all underpinned with scientific research. So the whole package that we have of all of that is designed to help people make those type of connections with the heart's intelligence. And in doing so, they begin to sort of reprogram out some of these other type of emotional habits and patterns that are there. They're going to show up from time to time, but we know they're not the ones that are really the best for us. Mm-hmm. And so the, the tools and techniques that we have are, are really designed to do that. And What's interesting about the way we approach tools and techniques is we recognize they better be simple because life moves too fast for the complex these days. Right. Uh, And so we have to have things that help us shift quickly in the moment because, yeah, we could all go off and unplug from our jobs and go off somewhere into the wilderness and try to find ourselves, and that's not bad. But life usually doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to make these internal changes and internal shifts from one emotional state to another on the fly very quickly in order to really be functioning at our best in the the type of day-to-day activities that most of us have. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, I think for men, well, people, you know, are interested in, in where the rubber meets the road and where the rubber meets the road is I've got, you know, a family, I've got lots going on. I have a job, I have this pandemic, I'm dealing with all kinds of things and I need techniques that are streamlined that can help me uh, live in a more coherent, heart coherent way. Um, I was reading through the book, your book, The Heart Math Solution, and I, I saw one technique that I thought you might be able to walk us through, and that's called the heart lock-in technique. I thought this one sounded interesting, and I thought you could maybe walk the listeners through what something like that would be so they would have a tool that they could use besides getting your book and, of course, going in and finding what the heart math has. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, we'll do a truncated version of it. And let me just say this. The heart lock-in technique is really... And then the whole suite of heart math techniques is the one you usually do for longer periods of time, okay. and you usually do it in a quiet place. But you can take the same steps in that heart lock-in technique. You can apply them either individually or you know or together, and you can do them right in the moment, eyes open, eyes closed. You don't have to withdraw from life to do it, right? Yep. First thing I'd like you to do, if you're listening, is to focus your attention in the area of your heart, which just means the center of your chest. You can just try to feel, you know, sort of the, the energy from the head coming down into that area. 
for some people, it's helpful to put their hand there to you know bring the attention to that part of the body. But just try to bring your attention now to the area of the heart in the center of your chest. With your attention now in that spot, what I want you to do is to breathe naturally and normally in a rhythm that's comfortable for you, but try to breathe a little deeper than you normally would. And as you're doing that, I want you to imagine as if the breath is actually flowing in and out through the area in the center of your chest where you have your attention. And we'll do that for a couple of breaths together right now. This is called heart-focused breathing, and I want you to continue to breathe that way, and now we're going to go to the third step. I want you to activate a regenerative, uplifting emotion. It could be something like appreciation or gratitude you have for the good things in your life. It could be um, the love or care that you feel for someone or something in your life. It could be a person. It could be a pet could be a really special place that you like to go to. Another prompter for you might be to recapture that feeling when you accomplish something, when you really felt good about yourself because you know you did something that was really good and you accomplished something you're proud of. That's a heart feeling too. So continue with the heart-focused breathing and just try to re-experience a regenerative, uplifting emotion right now. The last step is to radiate that renewing feeling to yourself first and then to others. And by radiate, it just means sort of feeling it come out of you, go out from yourself. It can be a gentle radiation, really, more like a glow of a, of a lantern or something rather than blasting some energy out. You can just send that energy out right now into whatever environment you're in. If you're in your home, your car, your workplace, wherever you happen to be, just fill that environment with the energetics of that feeling that you're experiencing right now. You can take it further if you'd like, out into the world, out into people in need. It could be somebody you know. It could be a, a problem area in the world today. It could be people that are... You know, having hardships with things like the pandemic or anything that you know your intuition prompts you to send that that feeling to and just gently radiate it outward from yourself All right, that's the technique. Bring it back now. I'll just say this. I mean, just recap it. And if I may, you start with heart focus. You bring your attention there in the center of your chest. And you do some heart focus breathing. You know, breathing naturally, normally in a rhythm that's comfortable for you. But imagine your breath is flowing in and out through that area. 
can you uh, just activate uh, a regenerative uplifting uh, emotion? Doesn't have to be anything grandiose. Could be just a sense of well-being or since everything's okay or whatever it comes to you. Feel that feeling, and once you sort of lock into that feeling a little bit, then sort of radiate it outward into whatever environment you're in. And again, you can do that for longer or shorter times. Um, I do it every day in the morning. Before my day starts, I do about a 20-minute heart lock-in. I use the inner balance trainer technology that we have along with it. Um, I'll reboot my system after lunch. Um, Take about five minutes just to make that connection again and get back into whatever I have to do, whether it's going into an interview with Tony or whatever's next, you know. And, uh, of course, the end of the day, I try to book in the day with some of that as well. And that just creates some more consistency in my access to the heart's intelligence, but really to me, to my core authentic self, to the best version of me that I can be that day. And it helps me, um, I think, do better at whatever I have to do. And it certainly feels better to me. And I think it's proven to be really, really good for my health. That's great. That's great. You know, there, there's a lot of meditation techniques out there. Um, and not all of them are so centered in the heart or so centered on radiating out. Right. So it's, it's, it's definitely got something different and something very powerful, uh, in that technique and in your approach. Um, when I was, when I was reading the book, I, I came across, um, the concept of neutrality. Um, and I was curious to ask you, why is neutrality an important quality for the heart? Of all the things in that book, that's interesting that you picked up on that. You know, uh, it's really the, the state of neutral. Mm-hmm. And neutral is, you know, the way that I characterize it in the book and the way that I experience it. And it's really, really useful, by the way. It's a state that's not just passive. It's a very highly aware state that's not yet deciding something. Mm. It's like pause. You know, you're pausing before you make decisions. You're being more neutral about what you think you know, Right. You could look at it like um, if you're driving, a, for those that are, that are around now that have ever driven a stick shift, <laughs> you know, you yep. have a clutch and you press the clutch to go between gears. Neutral is like pressing that clutch before you start taking action. And here's why it's useful is so many times we think we know what's going on and we really don't. Right. It requires it, that observation to really discriminate that. And think I can think of in my life about the thousands of mistakes I've made because I was moving too fast. I was thinking I knew something and I'd be going to judgment or going to some stance position on something and find out I was totally wrong. Yep. And I've done it so many times that neutral, why I say it's so useful and powerful is that it saves me a lot of energy and it saves me from a lot of stress later by adopting a more neutral position because life is complex. And just because I have my own life experience that guides me doesn't mean it's always the right one. Right. And so I've learned that, you know, there's a place inside where being more neutral about something until I get more information, until I really know is the better place for me to be. So it is what I said a minute ago. It's a highly aware state, but it's not yet deciding. Right, right. I think I was drawn to it because of everything that's going on, because of the politics and the pandemic. I, I see a lack of neutrality kind of all over the place. And so I think I was, I, I picked it out as like, Ooh, this, this looks like something that might be a useful um, talking point for us. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you had something to say about that. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a good yeah. thing for people to remember. You, you brought up two great examples, you know, 
the COVID thing and the political situation that's going on and all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a lot of reasons not to be neutral. Right, right, right. Well, and, and you mentioned uh, the distinction between care and overcare. If we're talking about the heart's intelligent and the heart, I think people can agree that caring about others, caring about yourself and caring about the world is a good thing, but there's overcare. And I, so I thought you could explain that a little bit. What is overcare? How do we avoid overcaring? Uh, why is it maybe not good for the heart to overcare? Well, overcare is, is where care ends up a lot of times, where it ends up feeling like a burdensome sense of responsibility. Mm. It takes on characteristics of worrisome, you know, perfectionism, uh, all these different ways in which we overcare about something. And it's got, it's interesting is it's like, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And you don't really ever get rid of it. You learn to manage it better Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like the air we breathe. It's just there. And, you know, we've got all kinds of ways we rationalize our overcare. And, you know, I've got to really get this right because it just has to be this way. And if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble because, you know, my boss is not going to like it. You know, that kind of thing. Right, right another person. But what's interesting is overcare doesn't feel good when we extend that to others. Have you ever had anyone in your life that just all the time seemed to be worrying about you? you yeah. know, did you get this? Have you forgotten that? Did you make sure that you'd call so-and-so before you did such and such? And just these constant reminders after a while will wear you out. Absolutely. And, and when you bring it up to the other person, they may say, well, I don't understand. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to care. Yeah. What they don't see is how that energy of overcare, that extra worry and that burdensome feeling that associated with it is not really true deeper care. Mm-hmm. So the way back to it, first of all, is to way out of it is to observe it, to recognize that you're not bad for having it, to recognize that it's part of life. It's built into general human psychology. But when you catch yourself in an overcare, try to bring yourself back to the original care. At the beginning of care, there's something beautiful and pure about it. Over time, it just sort of morphs itself into overcare. But if you can remember what the care was in the first place and return to that and do that little exercise over and over again, what happens is, is you begin to go into overcare less. And in that state, you're, you're, you're saving yourself from a lot of extra wear and tear, certainly a lot of extra stress in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, you, you guys have done a lot of work on stress and, and managing stress or, 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 or even bringing, I mean, I think people know, yes, I'm stressed out or stress isn't good, but I think you guys did some really great work on really pinpointing that this is something that's really not good for the heart. And so what are your pointers on how do we manage stress? Cause we live in a stressful world and it's, it's not we're not able to live without stress. So how, how do we, do we do the meditations? That's how we manage it. Do, is it our perspective? How do we, how do we minimize the impact of stress, especially as we get older? I think that people use whatever methods that they, they know of and have. It doesn't have to be heart math. It's whatever works for them, you know, to try to find ways to deal with some of the stressors. Um, let me just say in my life, I found that a lot of the stressors I experienced are self-created. Mm. I'm creating them, you know, yeah. I'm making it stressful. I mean, one of the things I've learned about stress is in the early days of stress research, the, you know, they were saying that stress was not uh, the event itself, but it was your reaction to the event. Mm. And that's true. And so, however, with every reaction, every perception that we have, there's also an emotional response to that perception. So if I'm going to deal with stress, I have to deal with the emotional side of it. 
and the perception is one thing, but the emotions associated with where the stress really is. It's in that feeling that you have, not in the thoughts, you know. And you can learn to make these shifts a bit quicker. I mean, stress shows up is, again, like overcare, ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And life is going to have its stressor points. And it's not that we should eliminate all the stress in our life. Sometimes stress helps us grow. But it's this chronic stress that people are experiencing that makes it really tough. And that's where my compassion kicks in. Because with some of the scenarios and situations that people are having to deal with today, it's impossible not to be stressed about it. It's just tough. But for people that don't have those extreme challenges, it's certainly worth considering doing something to, to back down those stress responses. Because as you mentioned earlier, it's not good for you. It's wearing, it's wearing people out. It's hard on the physical body. Uh, because we're heart math, we've done a lot of work with cardiologists, right? And I remember in talking to many cardiologists along the way, I asked him the question, why do you think we have so much heart disease in the United States and Western society? And I would always expect them to say it's coming from bad diet, it's coming from not enough exercise, it's coming from smoking. But about 90% of the time, the first thing that popped out of their mouth was stress. Really? Yes. Stress is causing it, they would say. And, you know, then they get around to the diet stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they would say it's stress is causing it. It happened about, I would say, just generically uh, 90% of the time. Mm Mm-hmm when I'd ask a cardiologist why we have so much heart disease. But the stress response that we have over and over again floods our system with hormones that we don't want in excessive amounts, like too much cortisol, too much adrenaline. That accelerates the aging process. It breaks down the body, breaks down the system, leading to a host of other diseases and disease uh, scenarios for ourselves. So stress is is a big deal. It's not the sexiest subject to talk about. When I'm out doing... My live show, my live presentations, you know, pre-pandemic when I was doing that right. around the world, stress was never my topic, you know. Right, right. But underneath it all, you know, I knew that that was important for people, you know. Absolutely. But I never like overtly just came out there and did a stress workshop or something. It was more like a talk on heart's intelligence or bringing in intuition or how we perform better or high performance type talks. But stress is, the, is, is a real enemy of any of that. Until we deal with that better, it's going to be hard for us to move forward. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, actually, Howard. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Is Do you have any creative projects that you have coming up that you'd like our listeners to know about? This will be coming out in the next week or so. Yeah, there's a few things going on. Um, one, first of all, you know, we have some really cool stuff. We have the inner balance trainer. We have the technology. We have tools and techniques. There are training programs. And all of that's available right now during the holidays. We do it every year at a uh, 25% discount. Sweet. Store-wide. Now, there's something you can get for free that's become one of the biggest things we ever did at HeartMath. It's an online learning experience. It's not really a training program. It, it is. You learn five techniques. You learn a lot about HeartMath and about the science and about a lot of other things that we're doing. But it was created to be like a movie, divided into chapters. Hmm. And I had the lead on that project last year. It's called the HeartMath Experience. And when we came out with it in, in January, we were selling it. It was doing really well. And I got it licensed to other distribution companies, loved it. They said they'd never seen anything like it. It was a learning experience. You were learning, but it was like you were being entertained as you did it, right? Hmm. And they thought this thing was really a, a new version of how learning should be. And all this accolades and then film festivals started picking it up. And we were making money on this. And then the pandemic came. 
Yeah. And it was our founder, Doc Childry. You mentioned in the beginning I was co-founder. Not really. Doc Childry is our founder. I've worked with Doc now for decades. Okay. But, uh, but Doc said, we need to do something really imp- as much as we can to help people during these times. And they need something where they can learn some skills and they can also be you know, given something that's going to make them feel good, a diversion from what they're going through in these lockdown situations. Yep. And he said, I want you guys to give away the heart math experience. So we started giving it away free. And today there's something like 200,000 people have down, have, have, have watched it as a result of that. Now, if you go to the heartmath.com website and you just look for the heart math experience, you can get it for free. Great. It's 90 minutes long. It's cinematic. You learn techniques and you learn things that can help you during these times and things that can certainly be useful to help you reduce stress, even though we don't talk about stress. Well, thank you so much, Howard. And thank you for all the work you've done on behalf of humanity and the intelligence of the heart over the years. Um, it, it brings a smile to my face to hear that the message is getting out there and more people are learning this technology and these techniques and this approach, because I think it makes a huge difference right now when people are looking for answers and you've got a really powerful approach to how to navigate all this. So thank you. And thank you for your time today, Howard. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks to the listeners for giving your time and attention to, to our Tony and I in our conversation and uh, wish you all the very, very best. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Howard. Howard is generously gifting Basecamp for Men listeners with free access for a limited time to the HeartMath experience. It's a beautifully crafted online video program that feels like you're watching a movie while you learn the key techniques of HeartMath. So go check that out and the 25% off. uh, It's the holidays, so go check it out if you're looking for something special for someone, and that is at www.heartmath.com. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men. 